you know, I've done some really badass things <laughs> since my diagnosis. You know, I've I've hiked deserts and I played roller derby for five years and I've started two companies and I, you know, just not to brag about how amazing I am, but these were not options that I knew of at 21. At 21, I thought I'm not even going to start my career. I'm going to lose everything. You know, I just thought it was the end. I didn't realize that it was the beginning, just like it is for every other 21-year-old. It was just a slightly different beginning. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings. This is Laura Koloskowski, and I welcome you to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. My guest this afternoon is Jackie Zimmerman. Jackie has a great story to tell you about her diagnosis journey, and I'll turn it over to her. So, Jackie, it's up to you. I was diagnosed in 2006 when I was 21 years old and in my final semester of undergrad. So I was ready to like take on life. I had, you know, I was ready to use my degree, super amped about everything. And one morning I woke up and my toes were numb the same way that your arm or fingers get numb if you sleep on them funny. But I knew that I didn't sleep on my toes funny, but I was also young. And so I was just like, well, whatever. And I kept on keeping on. And over the next couple days, that numbness crept up my legs until it was at my waist and I was numb from the waist down. So I did what you always do in the beginning before you've ever been a professional sick person. And I went to my primary care physician who gave me a couple shots of steroids and kind of said, if this doesn't work, come back. Well, it didn't work. So I came back and then they referred me to a neurologist. And I remember at the time being very confused because, you know, the prospect of MS was not even on my mind. I I didn't know anybody. Nobody in my family had it. And I was thinking, again, I'm young and kind of dumb. I have a problem in my legs. So I did not understand why I got a referral to a neurologist. And I actually kind of thought my doctor was maybe a little bit stupid because I just didn't understand what they were doing. So when I got referred, I then had an MRI. And again, I was still very confused. I had a lumbar puncture. Again, all of these things are happening and nobody's really telling me anything. And I had IV steroids at a short stay wing of my local hospital, um, which if you don't have a short stay wing at your hospital, it's where you come and get treatments. It's like an infusion center, but for longer stays, even though it's short stay. Anyway. I'm confused about short stay. Is this like a rehab unit that has an infusion clinic with it? or I'm not entirely sure, honestly. Was it overnight? I think that there's the possibility to stay overnight at short stay, but I never did. I just know that I went there and had treatments and left, but it was not an infusion clinic. And I've honestly only encountered it at one hospital. I've never seen it at any other hospitals except this one. Well, that's why I interrupted Jackie, because I've never heard of a short (laughs) short stay. And I'm like, huh, what is that? I need one of those, I think. Or maybe I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know. Anyway, so you were doing visits at the short stay to try to treat you and? Yeah. So I was there, you know, doing the five-day IV steroids. But at this point, 
no one had told me why I was doing this. They were just treating me. And now that I'm a grown up and I've been, you know, in the chronic illness world for a while, I think it's completely asinine <laughs> that that's what was going on. But I didn't know to ask. You know, I just was like, this is what they're telling me to do. So this is what I'm doing. But did the, you think the clinicians knew you had MS at that point? I think they absolutely knew. Yes. But they didn't tell you? No, they didn't. And what ended up happening, it, technically the way that I found out was actually through a woman who works at my insurance company at the time where she had called me. I was, I was at short stay and I was taking a call from my insurance company for, you know, one of the many reasons why you talk to your, I don't remember why, but for some reason. And she was a really nice woman. And she said to me, oh, well, my brother has MS. So he's done this treatment before. And again, at the time I was floored. I was like, who does this woman think she is? She doesn't know anything. I don't have MS. What is she talking about? But what I didn't know at the time is that this is the treatment for MS that, you know, a couple days course of IV steroids is pretty common. And so she wasn't necessarily out of line to say that. I was just uneducated at the time. So she said that and I was upset, a little angry. I thought she overstepped and she was just like way out of it. She didn't know what she was talking about. And I remember being really bothered by what she said because I just thought she made this grand assumption <laughs> and uh, I was wrong because she didn't. And I left short stay and it took until I completed that whole round of IV steroids before I went back to the neurologist who I had found just because he was referred by my primary care doctor. I walked into the appointment. I had my mom there with me because I was 21. And I walked into the, this is like exactly what happened. I walked into just your regular exam room. I was sitting on the table because there was nowhere else to sit. And the doctor walked in and he said, hi, you have MS. And that was it. He didn't say, how are you doing? What's your name? I'm Dr. So-and-so. He just delivered it just like that, very matter-of-factly, and gave zero follow-up information. I wonder if that's how they're taught to deliver that news, because I was also told, hi, let's get to the chase here. You have a mess. Right. I know we talk often about how doctors, you know, aren't the best at bedside manner. At least a lot of doctors aren't. But it just felt like I had, I had no idea what that meant, you know? And I remember very vividly asking, because there was a, a long moment of silence because he didn't say anything and I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. And then I said, uh, so does, does that mean that I'm, I'm going to die? Because I didn't know what it meant. I had no, I mean, I knew that MS was a thing that existed in the world, but I didn't know anything about it. And I remember he said, nope. But, you know, today before you leave, we're going to give you a couple binders of information and then you're going to pick the medication you want to take. And again, grown up fast forward me is appalled at that. I don't think a patient should necessarily ever choose the medication that they want because at the time, all there were were injectables. And all that I got were the, the info binders that the pharma companies provided for me. I didn't get any other context. And so at the time, I, of course, went with the one that seemed like it was easiest to do, you know, every other day injections as opposed to every day or intramuscular, which scared me at the time. Right. So I was like, I'll take that one. I didn't know if it was a good choice for me. I just knew that it was the one that seemed the easiest. 
And after that, after that uh, experience that was less than desirable, I went to a different neurologist, not only just for somebody who frankly didn't suck as much, but I also wanted a second opinion at that time because I was young. I didn't know anything. I think people should get second opinions, but also because I just felt like that other doctor like didn't really know what he was talking about. And so we went to a new doctor who we got on a referral based on somebody we knew. So it was somebody that we felt like we could trust a little bit more. And I went to see that doctor and he confirmed that I had MS. But when I told him the medication that I was taking, he was like, why? <laughs> that I would never put you on that medication. And that was one of the moments that I knew that it was the right choice to switch doctors because <laughs> he was like, I would never tell you to pick your own medication. So from there, I, you know, I've seen so many different neurologists because I moved or they retired or it seems like I just keep bouncing around. I've had a lot of bad experiences with neurologists, but part of that is because I realized after that first experience that I kind of get to choose my own experience, that I, I don't have to have a doctor who's a jerk. And so I don't take any crap from doctors at this point. So, you know, I've fired a few doctors because I didn't like the way that they handled situations. So, but I have been in a good spot since then. Well, I'm so glad that that sounds like you kind of have a happy ending to this, but to start at such a young point in your life in college and have it progress into from young adulthood to where you're at now. Yeah. I hear that you you have a complete shift and thinking on your medical care. Absolutely. You know, and, and in the beginning, right, I think everybody doesn't know what they don't know. You know, that's a big part of it. But, you know, in between, I remember going to my final classes like with an IV still on my arm because I was like, I am going to graduate on time. I am not letting this get in my way. And I did, which was great. But I think in the beginning of any major life diagnosis, you have those moments where you're like, this is it. This is the end. Everything is going to be terrible from here on out, right? Like it's never going to get any worse than this. And I remember thinking that. I remember thinking it's never going to be any worse than this right now. And I want to just sort of like give 21-year-old me a big LOL because it got way worse than that. <laughs> And I was, you know, later diagnosed with ulcerative colitis three years later, which for me was a lot worse. I got far sicker, far faster, and it, it got far more dangerous for me than MS did in the beginning. And that helped me get a lot more perspective too of living with two chronic illnesses where one is like actively trying to kill you, honestly, and the other one kind of stayed in check for a while, but I did have times when my colitis was flaring or I was having surgery and then my MS flared. And so things were, were pretty messy there for a while. But I think that gives you, well, I think you get a choice. You get to choose how you approach these things. You can either say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me and I'm going to let it consume me. Or you say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, so it can only go up from here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I think that, you know, it took getting to some pretty rock bottom moments to be able to see that, like, going up is an option, forward is a pace, because it, it's also overwhelming in the beginning. And, you know, you hear what you think are 
everybody's outcomes, right? You hear that people are bedridden and you hear that people need mobility aids and you hear everybody has a friend of a friend of a friend who, you know, died from MS or, you know, all of these things that are half truths, but you don't know any better. So you just think like, this is going to be the worst. And I didn't have any stories like mine, which were, I've done some really badass things. I hope I can say that. Oh, please do. <laughs> Since my diagnosis, you know, I've I've hiked deserts and I played roller derby for five years and I've started two companies and I, you know, just not to brag about how amazing I am, but these were not options that I knew of at 21. At 21, I thought I'm not even going to start my career. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. You know, I just thought it was the end. I didn't realize that it was the beginning, just like it is for every other 21-year-old. It was just a slightly different beginning. Well, that is all fascinating, Jackie. And I'm just wondering what kind of advice you might give to people who are on this journey as well, but think they perhaps have have MS or have symptoms that maybe look like that. What advice would you give to them? I think if you spend any time researching this kind of specific question, you might get a lot of similar advice. But the best advice is that every single person's case of MS is different. So you you really, truly cannot compare yourself to people you meet online or to stories you read because the treatments work differently. Everything progresses differently. People's diets and lifestyles are all different. So, you know, I wouldn't look at what we all think MS looks like and 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 see that and go oh man, everything's going to be so bad for me because it might not be. And even if you do have a, a form of MS that is more progressive or slightly more aggressive, it doesn't mean your life is over. <laughs> it's just sort of, you know, you have to learn about your MS. You have to learn, you have to learn about it like it's a person. You have to get to know it. You have to see what aggravates it and and what calms it down and and it's almost like you have a baby, <laughs> you know, and you have to like nurse it and figure out like how it wants to exist in this world. And after, I don't know, I think I'm pushing 17 years, 16, 17 years, somewhere in there. I can't do math. I feel like I know it pretty well. I can feel when things are going poorly. The last relapse that I had, I knew it was coming before it happened. But this is a long story longer way of saying your case will never be like anybody else's case. So you can't look at other people for inspiration necessarily, but you also can't look at them as a sign that you're going to do really poorly in in your situation. Well, I think that's all great advice, Jackie. And I'd like to thank you again for those of you who forgot, you're listening to Badass Jackie Zimmerman. <laughs> and this has been the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Laura. 